Hey friends, Mike Myers here with the Songwriting for Guitar podcast, episode number 31, Femka Vitima. Now, before we get into that, I want to let you know that I'm hosting a four-week live masterclass on how to arrange, dial in better tones, and start mixing your own guitars. There is no reason why you can't be doing this shit from home. Because right now in the pandemic, one thing has made it abundantly clear. We don't need expensive studios to get things done. Sometimes all we need is a little guidance, a little mentorship, and just a push to get us moving because I've seen so many songwriters gain traction in this area and start making money from home. All you have to do is go to songwritingforguitar.com and click Tracking Like a Pro Masterclass to reserve your spot. Everything kicks off April 10th. Now, Femke's story is awesome. She's a musician, producer, songwriter, composer. She's a Dutch native that started out at Berklee School of Music, eventually found herself in L.A., and now where she's located in Nashville. And did I mention she has a Grammy? Because she does. So let's just jump into it. Episode number 31, Femke Vitima. I remember my uncle had a piano in his uh, living room and my parents were super into classical music and they would always listen to all these pieces like every day. And I remember staying at my uncle's house, looking at the piano and like by ear playing one of the pieces that my parents always listened to. And everybody was like, how did you do that? I was like, I don't know. It just happened. And I think that was kind of what started the the idea of like okay music it kind of lives in me like I have no idea what I'm doing but um I kind of I kind of know what I'm doing which is really weird did they tell you what what you kind of played off by ear it's this like d- classical duet I don't know what it's called but it's like da 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 I don't know if you know that one so that was kind of the gateway of like, okay, this is a viable thing that I get, or this is just the thing that like piques my interest. I'm like, okay, maybe I can do this. Was it always strictly piano? And then was it kind of, and then did it morph into other instruments or was it just like a culmination of like, just all over different instruments? It's actually weirdly enough. So I've played the piano at my uncle's house, but my parents couldn't have a piano. And so I played the accordion um, because that's what they had at the local music. Uh, school and you know p- accordion is like a piano on one hand one side of your body so I started with the accordion and then um this is super random like I was in this, I lived in this tiny tiny town and they had these scouts from the conservatory come and scout the local music schools and mm-hmm. they scouted me to be like in the early talent program so from the age of 12 I was already sort of a conservatory student um, as a classical accordion player. So I had this like whole, like I got lots, lots of ear training and I had a Russian teacher, um, who came to like the big city once a month and like take lessons from him. And, um, so I got kind of like, I very early on got into the big classical training. And then I auditioned when I was 16, moved out of my parents' house, got into the program. And that's when I've, realized there were more instruments than the accordion and the piano. <laughs> um, and I, you know, met a bunch of jazz musicians and uh, started playing guitar and started writing songs. But yeah, it all started kind of with the accordion. Which is badass because I don't think people know how 
the accordion can be a little difficult to play, especially like navigating the, uh, I always look in awe when people are playing like the, the left hand, the side of the buttons. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, no, like, because I can look at a piano and be like, I feel good. I feel at home, but an accordion, I feel like, you know, I'm just like, you know, walking a dog, eating spaghetti and chewing gum at the same time. It's, really messy. it's just like, it's, it's not possible. So that is really awesome. Yeah, it was a good start. And, you know, it's not the most handy instrument. It's not like, let's go do a jam session with the accordion, you know. But it was a good way for me to just get into what music is and <clears throat> the logic of it and the uh, how it makes sense and how things work together. And so, yeah, it was a really, I'd love, I still play it. So it's been a good learning tool. Now, what was it like going to guitar? And then you said you started writing songs. When, As soon as you started to get into kind of that camp or the guitar itself, did it seem easier to write songs than necessarily writing songs on like an accordion? Or did it feel like, oh, that was the natural progression? Um, it was very much, I don't, I'm sure you've met more classical musicians, but a lot of times when you're classically trained, it's harder to be creative from nothing because you have these books that you have to work through and like these songs and these pieces that were written like years and years ago. And like, you have to move your fingers this way. So being creative on the accordion was much harder. But when I bought a guitar that I really didn't know anything about being creative was much easier because there was no limit. Like I had no idea what I was doing. So I couldn't follow the books. I couldn't follow the notes didn't read the notes on the guitar, didn't read tap. And so I just did everything by by my ear and by my heart again, just like I started with just randomly playing notes on the piano. And I think it kind of opened up this whole other thing of like, I could write songs, I could, I could sing in Dutch and in English, and I could write these melodies with my voice and accompany myself. And it was a whole new stage of development. It was really, really great. That is, to me really cool because I know there are people that ask, well, how do you, you know, when you're playing by ear or you're playing something that you're like, this is in my head, how would you describe sometimes that when you pick up an instrument and you're like, I have this thing and I, it's undefined. I'm not sure what it is, but you, you can't describe it, but you can find it. <laughs> yeah. It was kind of like, you know, trust. Like I think, you know, there's different ways of doing music and there's not one right way. And one way is taking lessons and one way is just exploring and trusting your senses and your gut in making things and making moves with your hands that will lead to something that feels great. I think if you come from a place of no knowledge, you do everything on your feelings. And if you come from a place of knowledge, you do everything based on knowledge. I think somewhere in the middle lies a sweet spot for everybody, you know? It's a balance of both that you don't go too far mm -hmm. on opposite ends, but there there's an appreciation of the technical and the theory side. And then there's the heart or the, the instinct where it's like, it just feels right yeah. when you say, yeah, yeah good. It is, a, it is a balance of both. Then from conservatory, how did you find yourself in Boston? Did you play around in your city and just like start to write songs? And you were like, I'm, what's the, what was the next step? Yeah, I got really into songwriting and obviously English. So in, in Holland, you often speak, you speak Dutch, German, and English. So it's three languages, English not being my first or second language. 
Um, and so I really wanted to write in English. And so the first thing was like, okay, well, I need to be somewhere where English is like the main language. So either the UK or America. And I need to go somewhere where they teach songwriting as a job, you know, because it was just me yeah. randomly writing words. But there needs to be some, like, I was ready to find the knowledge in the songwriting. So I found this teacher called Pat Patterson, uh, who teaches at Berkeley. I bought all his books. I was like, I want that to be my teacher. So I took a year. I worked really hard, saved a bunch of money, applied for a bunch of scholarships, got into Berkeley. I got, you know, thank God mm -hmm. had enough scholarships that could pay for it. Um, and went there thinking I was only going to go just for one year to study. And it just turned into a life. <laughs> What was that like, that experience, especially, you know, I, I have to ask this because, you know, maybe culturally it's different. When you were like, I'm going for songwriting, mm -hmm. this is going to be my career. I feel maybe it's in sometimes the U.S. people are like, that's not a job. Oh, yeah. Was it different how your parents were like, that's great, go? No, no, no. I mean, my parents are incredibly sweet, but they have no idea what any of this means. And so... <laughs> To them, it's just like, okay, well, just if you think there's something in there, but they, they don't know that it's a job or even a hobby, <laughs> you know, they, they would follow me yeah. if I would play shows, but they did know I was working really hard for it. And they were like, if you can find the funding, if you can pay for this yourself, by all means, pursue your dreams. Um, and so that was great. But I mean, up to this day, they still don't really know <laughs> what I do. <laughs> <laughs> do you show them your Grammy occasion and you'd be like, hey, this is a good thing. And they're just like, oh. I mean, side good. note, I, I got the nomination for the Grammy when I was at my parents' house and we were sitting on the couch and I got a text from a friend. He's like, we're nominated for a Grammy. And so I jumped up and I was like, mom, I'm, Grammy, I'm nominated for a Grammy. And my mom was like, oh, what? <laughs> a granny? I was like, no, a Grammy. She's like, I don't know what that is. So I explained it to her. And then my dad was like, oh, does it mean that you get a lot of money? It's <laughs> like, okay, this is, this is not, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> so you, you, you head out to Boston, mm -hmm. you're, you're in Berkeley. Then how do you, you know, what was the experience like where, you know, coming from where you live to suddenly like, cool, you're in America, here's a new school. Was the culture different? How did it feel? It felt like I could be a new person. I felt reborn. Yeah it was like a second chance in life. You know, like when you grow up in a really small town and people have expectations of you and, and the world has expectations of you, suddenly being able to step out of those expectations and creating your own was uh, something I didn't know I needed as much as I did. Coming to America was like, uh, yeah, I've never, culturally, it's it really is super different. I met people from all over the world who were just brilliant in making music, something I've never heard, like geniuses play. Everything was different, and I felt like I could re-become re me. You know, I could pick the things that I liked about myself and highlight those and the things that I didn't like about myself, work on them specifically and make it better. And it really was a growth process, not just musically, but individually and personality-wise. Um, it was amazing. 
So during this time, are you are you playing songs around town? Are you actively kind of like gigging a little bit? In Boston, no, I was just like meeting people. I was trying to find collaborations, yeah. learn. Um, I was in the rehearsal room still four or five in the morning meeting drummers and musicians. And that's when I realized my interest wasn't just songwriting. I really wanted to know like production and arrangements and uh, you know, software and all that stuff. So I was just feeding every, I was just this giant sponge walking around Boston, just like taking in every drop of knowledge I could get anywhere. That's always cool when your interest leads you to another interest yeah. where the door opens and you're like, I really like that too. Oh, it's that because they're all interconnected, mm -hmm. but you know, especially from that age where you were like, oh, I hear these, like, I hear this, I hear this. That is a perfect entrance way to production. Yeah, absolutely. To producing and being like, I hear this, I don't hear this. It's like this, it's, we got to tweak. And then to, what was it like to then delve into that world, the the technology side and, and oh, this is, this is EQing, this is compression. This is that whole other uh, stratosphere. It was great. I took some classes at Berkeley and then they started this thing called the LA internship program. It was mm -hmm. three months and you could go to LA um, and do an internship with different companies. So I, I interned for three different companies. And through all of that, I met, eventually met a film composer named Richard Gibbs and he needed an assistant. And I really needed, like, I really wanted to learn. And so he asked me, he's like, do you know Pro Tools. And I said, yes, but I didn't. I had like no idea because I was working on Logic at the time. I just, he was like, okay, well, you'll, you'll start on Monday. I got this TV show coming up. It's called like 10 Things I Hate About You. I need you there on Monday and we'll go from there. I was like, great. So I spent the whole weekend with my roommate going through Pro Tools, learning how to do it because I had no idea. And so I show up on Monday, sort of confidence slash not, um, you know, and kind of worked my way through it. And through the doing, I learned, you know, EQing, recording parts, everything, like writing, tra transcribing for another instrument that comes in, playing a bunch of parts yourself, arranging it all together, getting something done on a crazy deadline. Um, so I think the biggest lesson from then on was to learn through doing which was super hard because, you know, it's kind of like bluffing. It is kind of bluffing, but it's also brilliant <laughs> <laughs> to just like, it, um, I had on a while ago, Chris from uh, the presence of the United States of America mm. and one of his first gigs for Beck, he said, uh, they asked him, he was like, we need you to play guitar. And he was like, sure. And he was like, uh, yeah, uh, but we need we need a uh, we need a slide guitar player. And he was like, "Hey, no problem, man." And he was like, "I didn't know slide guitar whatsoever." Oh, wow. And he just ended up buying a slide. And he was like, "The first time I played was when I sat down." They were like, "Cool, we're gonna hit the record button. And you're gonna play something." And he was like, "All right." And but to me, you just being like, "Yep, no problem, I know it." And it's like, "All right." And then it's it's that moment where you're, I don't know, you're the belief in yourself is like, I know I can do this. And I'm just going to say, yes, I'm just going to have to, you know, 
fucking hit the pedal to the metal a little bit and just kind of like work on some stuff. But like, I need to do this because this is going to start something that'll lead to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like that movie, Yes Man. Uh, you know, just say yes. Just take a point in your life and say yes to everything that comes to you and see what happens. It will always lead to something. If it's not a career, then it's maybe you'll find a love of your life or whatever it is. You'll move to a new country, but there's always something that comes out of it. So what was that experience like too in those three months? I feel that that's like a just a huge, you know, boost of like a lot of things all at once in a very short amount of time. It was great. I remember just being available 24-7, just doing everything I could possibly do to learn and to do and to meet people. And LA is, I mean, coming from Boston was the biggest city I've seen in my life. And then suddenly you're in LA where there's cars everywhere and it's just crazy. And it just was a ton of input. Um, but yeah, it was it was a growth process. It was really amazing to be there. And then out of that, where I was able to like, you know, I ended up meeting a ton of people that I worked through, I worked with, I worked with a record label with a, a guy called Pete Anderson, a guitar player who was really great. I ended up doing my master's degree in LA. I obviously mm-hmm. met Richard Gibbs. Like I think, and it all started, the seats were planted in the first three months I was there by just being everywhere as much as I could. And then how long were you on in LA until you made that move to Nashville? I think I was there six years. Mm-hmm. And then I was in this weird transition period. I was working at um, Remote Control, which is Hans Zimmer's studio. It was, which is a great thing in itself. But I also felt a little overwhelmed and overworked having, you know, working on TV and film, the deadlines are, are brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was always working for somebody. So I was working, you know, for a big project, for a composer or, you know, something like that. And I really started to feel like I wanted my own thing. And through happenstance, I met a guy who owned a publishing company in Nashville and he just said, you know, just come to Nashville, see what it's like just explore, come for a week and we'll set you up with some co-writes, um, see if you like it. And so I did, um, ended up going back and forth three more times. And then I thought, okay, I think this is the place for me to really now invest in just me as a writer and a producer. Um, and so I took a deal with the company and moved to Nashville and it was, um, a whole new baptism. (laughs) It's like almost your journey in Boston, basically from home, Boston, LA, all that experience and knowledge, Mm -hmm. all kind of inter, you know, those different paths, those different roads led you to eventually where it was like, okay, now I'm going to take all of that and this is going to work for me. Yeah. Not just other people, but for me. That, yeah, that probably does feel like a (laughs) spirit of kind of like reborn and just like moment of like, everything's kind of new. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And what was it like to then start producing, you know, bands and start working with artists? And how do you network, you know, from being in one area to suddenly uh, a brand new city and then just kind of building all those those relationships and, and started to find artists that you want to work with? 
the great thing about moving to a whole new place is that you you don't know anybody. So the only way to get to know people is to go places to meet people. Um, mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's a choice you make. And so early on when I was in Nashville, I just decided to go to as many open mics, as many networking events, do as many co-writes as possible just to meet people. So I kind of spent a whole year just building a giant network of people that I knew, okay, this writer does this, this artist does this, like, how can we all work together? What, what does this mean? Um, and then the second year I was there, I started finding artists and creating, you know, I was like basically saying like, okay, let's do an EP. I'll find some cool writers that we can write with that would fit that sound. Um, mm -hmm. I'll help you produce it and then you can put it out. So it was a really, it was just basically by being available and being visible. But at the same time, I was going on SoundCloud, listening to artists, you know, like SoundCloud, I think has the best algorithm. It's like you listen to a Sufjan Stevens album or a song, and then you get like the most random people ever as a sort of a suggestion from SoundCloud. Mm -hmm. And so through like, I was like, okay, I want to find a male singer songwriter and I would put on a cool song that I know. And then whoever comes next, if I like it, I'll send them an email wherever they are in the world. Like I'll just email them, see if we can do a ride together. If they ever come to Nashville and just, you know, see what happens. And so through that, I've actually had some people come to Nashville randomly just to ride with me for a week. And it kind of opened, people invited me to come ride with them in crazy places in the world. And, um, yeah, it really, it's like, yeah, it's just a matter of you just seek out, seek out, seek out. And yeah, that's kind of the thing I believe in. Do you feel like I, I hear this phrase a lot, the idea of like trusting the process and not worrying, it just kind of like keep on moving forward and trust that the process evolves over time and the doors open. You just have to keep on just doing your thing. Don't worry about like, oh, I'm worried about, I won't get here, but it's keep on just doing the thing and working at the craft. Yeah, I absolutely believe in trusting the process. I also really believe in being okay with the process sometimes not working seemingly um, because I sometimes feel like people are really trying to see all the good stuff. You know, it's like always trying to be positive and always trying to like find the good things everywhere. And sometimes it's just okay to just be kind of bummed out and depressed about it. It's like, gosh, it's not working. What am I doing wrong? Because those are the times that you're reevaluating the process. And I've, I think mm -hmm. just trusting it without consciously changing it is not necessarily the best formula either. So I, I use the moments where I feel the most down about like, okay, I haven't had any cool writers for like a month or I haven't had this or I haven't had that then to like kind of look back at what I have done and be like, okay, how can I change this? How can I make this better? What should I focus on for the next six months? So I can keep changing my game plan a little bit, you know? There's something liberating about that when you work for yourself too, yes. when it's for you, because then you can be like, well, who's in charge here? Oh, wait a minute, it's me. Yeah. Okay, well, let me let me talk to head management. Yeah. Okay, I talked to myself and we feel pretty solid about these changes. We're going to implement them. Yeah, and there's also something really amazing about thinking like art is such an ungraspable thing, but business mm -hmm. isn't. You know, like art is like this, like creativity comes when it comes, 
but business is something that you plan, like business plans are being made, um, elevator pitches are being made. Those are things that you consciously do. So I think in, I trust the process when I know I'm in a full on creative whirlwind and it just goes. And if it doesn't go, I trust the business and I change it and adapt it. I think that's the, the adapting is important because things will change. And it's like you can either change with them or you can kind of fight against that current. Yeah. And it's not an easy current to fight against. No, it's, no. With everything that you've done, if somebody's starting out, you know, and they are like, I'm writing songs and, you know, some of the things that you're saying, I'm feeling frustrated. What's some advice for songwriters just starting out? Um, I think a really big one is understanding when the well is empty. So a lot of times people talk about like writer's block, you know, and mm -hmm. if you're an artist, it's like, and I can't think of anything. Well, sometimes, or most of the time you can't think of anything because you have nothing to draw from anymore. Like you depleted, you spend all this time trying to be creative and you kind of forgot about life, reading books, going outside, like being a person and so you need to fill the well and then drain it, like find a balance between draining the well and filling the well. You know, I think that's really important. And also at the same time, remember that this is a business and, and figure out your, in, in times when the well is dry, look at your business model and see if it actually works. Are you meeting enough people? Are you meeting enough co-writers? Are you working on your instrument actively? Are you practicing? Are you doing all the things that you can do in a lull when you have quote unquote writer's block, you know? Yeah. What are some things that you go to when you feel like that well is dry? What are some books that you've kind of pulled from? I love um, science fiction books, like completely mm -hmm. non-music related books, like even like the whole Harry Potter series, like to me is like something I can dream away in the language is inspiring. There's this, his dark materials is a really interesting, magical series or even poetry books. I have tons of poetry books in, in my writing studio. I have mm -hmm. these little piles of poetry books. So if whoever comes in can just grab a book wherever they sit and just open it on a random page. And there's always a word that's like, Oh, that's cool. That's a cool sentence or a cool world word. So poetry books are great. And the other thing I do is I buy a new instrument that I've never played. Um, oh, so I okay. buy a clarinet or like something off of Craigslist, something cheap and learn how to play a super random instrument and use it somehow in my productions. So yeah, just kind of that kind of stuff. I love that because I feel <laughs> that adds, it, it, it forces you, it kind of, it's the spice or sriracha. What is the weirdest instrument you've bought that you've thrown in where it's like, if you told someone, they'd be like, really, you use that? Uh, well, lately it's been, so it's been the clarinet. Like I've, I just released this song that I produced for an artist on Warner and all the pads are made by a clarinet. I don't think anybody will ever know, um, but it's literally just a clarinet playing stacks of, you know, individual notes into weird chord structures. I love that. I have this, this massive kalimba that is tuned in the most random way ever. Um, so you never know what you're doing, like just random 
things. I have a toy piano, a bunch of little toy drum kits. And yeah, so if I get super bored, I just buy some or uninspired, I'll get some weird thing to play and a song comes out of it. Is it almost like that wondrous fascination when you get a, a new instrument, almost like when you first saw the piano, you're not sure how, but you just kind of go to it? Yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely. And it's it's also the satisfaction of finding something on it. You know, like like the clarinet, you need a reed, you need, your fingers need to be in a certain position. And then to actually get a note for the first time, mm-hmm. you know, or even buying a violin, not knowing what it does, and then getting like a clear note, it makes you feel like you've accomplished something. And you don't feel that way when you just strum a chord on your guitar. It's like, yeah, I know this is a G, you know, <laughs> but when you do it on an instrument you've never played, it's like, oh, wow, I just did that out of nowhere. And you can find your pride and your ownership of your you know, your goal again, because sometimes you get defeated and you're like, I can't do anything, but you did just found a G on the clarinet, an instrument you've never played before. You know, there's like a a pride in that. And it's just another thing to be like, hey, keep going. It's just like, you, you know, that is wonderful, just that perspective. And I don't know, what are some things that you're excited about right now that you, you have in the works? Another thing that I've done Three years ago, I started a record label um, called LV Music with the whole idea of developing artists, but helping them find a team around them. So finding a booking agent, a manager, a good Mm -hmm. distributor, all that stuff. Um, And the first artist that I signed to the label was a guy called Belmont. And he just moved on to Warner. And we just put out an EP for him on Warner. And I'm really excited for him to grow into a new thing, you know? And then one of the other artists on the label is called Dancing on Tables, a Scottish rock band that I'm really excited about that I think is about on the brink of making some needles move. So I'm super excited about that. But at the same time, I'm doing my own new EP for next year. I'm working on that now. I'm working on a Chinese TV show that I'm scoring music for. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's super <laughs> random things. I'm kind of excited about everything really <laughs> i was gonna say everything seems like you're just like this is good this is all and it they are random but it's like to hear your story it's like no that makes total sense that you would be working on all those things yeah and this that movement is, you know like i can yeah. see the waves move i can see i don't know which one of these things is going to be massively successful or not at all but it's still forward motion which is important yeah well this was awesome, and I really appreciate you coming on here, telling your story, and just a lot of interesting stories. And it's it'll be exciting to hear the things that you have coming out and the artists that you've been working with. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. And that does it for this week's episode. It was edited and produced by Chris Fafalius. I'm Mike Myers. Thanks for listening.